Hey, how are you guys doing? What a weird concept. It's really good that we're able to be very flexible and nimble um, due to circumstances. Circumstances this week we had to meet online, but you know that's the that's the future. We have to be flexible and adjust and, adjust and change. Um, so today, I'm preaching from my living room, downtown Vancouver. We are called Rain City, so we're praying for Jesus to reign in this city, or well, at least this part of the city. Right. So um, today I want to talk about how we smell. Not a good kind of smell. I'm sure Hong Kong changed and now it's, you know, beautiful and there's sweet aroma in Hong Kong. I haven't been back since 2000, I think one. So that's a long time ago. So I'm, I'm thinking it's changed, but as soon as the doors open, if you've ever been to Hong Kong, um, there's this smell, like like a sewer kind of smell, stent mixed with Chinese food, grease sewer. Right. So, um, I I was just overwhelmed and I couldn't take it. And um, but you know I had to be there for two weeks. Eventually, I got used to it. And I probably started smelling like that because I was eating a lot of greasy Chinese food. And that that story reminded me of how the world's order, the aroma of the world that is um, not, the, not the best, it's like sewer, this world that is corrupt, this world that we know um, is ruled by powers and darkness, this, stench of this world with all the ideology and thoughts and evil that's going around and we are instead of influencing the world instead of uh, bringing the sweet fragrance of jesus into the world we are being overwhelmed by the fragrance of the world and we are called to be the aroma of christ second corinthians let me just read this to you Second Corinthians 2.15, it says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Let me repeat that. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Paul is saying we are supposed to be the aroma. We are supposed to be the perfume. We are supposed to smell good. You know, I remember um, after I came back from, I was coming back from Africa and I was wearing, I literally wore the same clothes for a whole week. And I was doing conference after conference. And because you're going into the villages, you're going into the dirt roads and there's, you know, I was just, just going for it. And for a week I was wearing the same clothes and I saved like the nice clothes in a Ziploc bag that I could change. So when I see my wife, I could smell, I could look good and I could smell good. But I was just wearing these same clothes. And lo and behold, when I went to the airport on the way from Brussels to Vancouver, I got upgraded to first class. Praise Jesus. And I was wearing these clothes. I forgot how stinky I was. I didn't, I wasn't aware of my aroma. And people started looking at me. You know, people in first class are a little bit snooty. And so they were looking at me like, who is this guy? And I was wearing like, 
basically I, I looked like I came out of the jungle and I sat in first class and I just, I completely lost my mind. I didn't know how bad I smelled. People were, people probably, I'm so thankful nobody complained. I didn't get kicked out of first class because I was so happy. Long flight, first class. But as soon as I got to my stopover in Toronto, I went to the bathroom, I changed and I smelled my clothes and I realized how stinky I was. How bad I smelled. And I wonder how do we smell to people in the world? What is our aroma? Last week I talked about going. We are a river. We are constantly flowing. We are not a pond. We, are, we don't stop because we got some blessings. We go to church and we get some blessings. The church is an equipping place to go. So we're constantly going, but we can't just think about going. We have to also think about how we smell. Are we attractive? Jesus is the most attractive person on the planet. He had attractive qualities. He had attraction power. He drew the crowds. People were offended by what he said. It was a stumbling block, but his character, who he was, it was a fragrance, like nice perfume in the stench of sewer. Aroma in Hong Kong, if Jesus came and he, instead of being tainted by the aroma of the world, he tainted the world with his aroma. That's what we are called to do. You know, when Jesus walked amongst the people and there was lepers, instead of Jesus running away from the lepers because you know, in that time, if you went near a leper, you might get tainted by leprosy. But instead of instead of being tainted by leprosy, he, in, in, in a sense, tainted them. He touched them. So instead of running away, he came towards them. And his presence overwhelmed the leprosy. And they got restored. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to go into the world and change the world. We are the salt of the world. The salt is a preserving ingredient. We preserve the world. We remind people that there is another way. We are the sample of heaven on earth. You know, when I go to the PNE, I hope it opens this year. When I go to the PNE this year, the, my favorite place to go is the place where they have all the demonstrations. You know, all the you know, you get like free chamois, you get free mops, and all of that. I don't know if you guys understand. We haven't been to the PNE in a long time. Maybe you forgot. It's the place, the pavilion, where they give you free samples and people are trying to sell you stuff. I, I just go there to get the free samples. The church is a free sample of heaven. We are an oasis in a place of darkness. We are the light. We are the city on a hill. The city on a hill was the church was on top of an escarpment so that everybody can see the church and, see, and, and everybody can see the temple and say, hey, there's the church. We are not supposed to hide. We are supposed to go and we are supposed to be the sweet fragrance. So how do we become that sweet fragrance? Ephesians 4, 11, it says this. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of saints, for the works of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, 
to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This passage is talking about equipping, maturity, and the fullness of Christ. And the word fullness in the Greek is pleroma, which is also can be translated as aroma. As we become mature, we become the sweet fragrance and the aroma of Christ in the world. And the key, therefore, is maturity. And the key to maturity is equipping and equipping in the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 is a prescriptive of how we are supposed to do the church. Ephesians, the letter, one of the last letters that Paul wrote is a prescriptive. It wasn't addressing a specific context to the Ephesians church. It was a general letter. The first three chapters are about what he did and our identity in Christ. Chapter four is about the church. Chapter five is about work and marriage. And chapter six is about don't forget the spiritual warfare, war, uh, warfare that is ahead. So always stand. So Ephesians 4 is about the church. Now we know who we are. We're, we're supposed to belong to the church. And it is he who gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping. And that word equipping in the Greek is karatitso, which also could be translated as aligned, like bone to bone. You know, when you break a bone, you have to align it in a cast. You have to reset. You know, commitment to the body of Christ, to the church, is like alignment, almost like a marriage. You know, Adam and Eve, Adam said, this is my bone of my bone. He's saying, when we become one, it's like our bones are aligned. My blood flows through her blood and her blood flows through my blood and her bone and my bone are fused together. We are now one. If you've ever been married, sometimes you want to break that bone and split apart. But that's the analogy that Jesus is giving. He's saying, you cannot. It's really, if you want to leave the church, if you want to go to another church, that's fine. But it has to be that understanding that is it's a breaking of relationship. So you need to be really careful to the places that you go and align yourself. I don't believe in church hopping, church shopping. I want to go to this place. Oh, they don't have the right music. They don't have the right people. Oh, this person offended me. That's not the kind of body that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a body that is committed to one another. You love the people you choose. You love the people you choose. You don't choose the people you love. Let me repeat that. I think some of you guys don't understand what I'm saying. You love the people you have chosen. You don't choose the people you think you love. You don't measure people and say, well, I think I can love that person. I can like that person. I can you know, get along with that person. Oh, that person, I, I don't know. This, this kind of crowd is not like my crowd. There's old people here and there's people who are not Asian here. I don't, I don't like this kind of crowd. That's not the church that God is asking us to build. He's asking us to love the people that are in front of us. Love the people that, have, that God has called us to. And maybe you have differences. Maybe you don't, uh, you have different values and different opinions. 
Maybe somebody's older and somebody's younger. Somebody diff different ethnic ethnic ethnicity and you're of this ethnicity. You're so used to being homogeneous in your culture and they come from a different culture with different values. If, they, if God has divinely put you together, he's saying, if you want to commit to that person, you just love them because God has given them in your life. That's karatiso, bone to bone. So it's really hard to separate. So when I commit to a church, it's for, for me, it's a long time. The last church I was there, I was that I was part of, I was there for 18 years. So all the ups and downs. Because it's really hard to break that bone. Karatiso also means... Um, if you look at Mark 1, 9, it says James and John, they said they were on the boat preparing the nets. Preparing the nets. Karatitsa also can mean preparing. Not just aligning. It could also mean preparing. Because that word preparing the nets, that word preparing is the same word, karatitsa. And in the amplified version, that word katatitso could also mean mending and cleaning. To mend and clean. Because when you throw out the nets, when you're fishing, you get all this junk. You collect all this junk and you have to clean it out. And then sometimes it gets broken. You have to fix it. So when you, go, when you align yourself to the body of Christ, there is an expectation of mending, of healing. When you live in this world, you pick up junk. You pick up crap. You pick up stuff. You pick up ideologies. You have hurts. You have pain. You have words spoken over you. Words are powerful. They can hurt you. They're indelibly impressed in our inner being. And we carry those words with us. We carry those wounds with us. And so when you come to Jesus, you not only get saved, you get sanctified. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about restoring your heart, your identity, who you are. The pains that has been inflicted upon you by parents, authority figures, friends, traumas. You know, when I, when I went and moved to... Toronto, Ontario, immigrated when I was eight. My parents, even though my dad was a computer analyst and he had money and my mom opened up a beauty salon. So we were middle class. We didn't need to live in the inner city, but my dad chose to move us to the one of the worst neighborhoods in Toronto. One of the worst. I lived there for a year. I don't think he had any idea. The first day, uh, we moved in. My dad said, go get some milk from downstairs because it was a corner store right downstairs. I went downstairs and somebody put a knife to my eye, paper cutter, and said, I could take your eye out. I was, I was like nine, ten years old. I don't know. Do you guys understand? Somebody put a knife to my eye. They were going to take my eyes out. I was traumatized. And I thought, well, you know, that's, that's just one time. It's not going to happen again. I went to school. I got a note from one of my classmates said, you are going to die today. And I went out to school. The half the school was waiting for me. And the guy came at me with a knife trying to stab me. Thank God somebody tried, stopped him and saved me from this stabbing. I was already in grade five. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
this, these are the traumas. There's just one. I tell people these things and people don't believe me. This actually happened to me. These are the things that caused me pain and trauma and bullying. I have to give money to my friends every day so I don't get beat up. Obviously, if I gave them money for them to not beat me up, they were my friends. But that's how crazy, that's how twisted my thinking was. I picked up all these things. So no wonder when I went to high school into a nice neighborhood, I became a bully. All those people I bullied. In Toronto, if you if you ever listen, I I sincerely repent and apologize. It's my past, and when I came to Jesus, I came I came to Jesus at thirteen, but I still had to get sanctified. I had to be cleaned. I had to get restored. I had to have mentors. I had to go to church. I had people who were older than me to bring healing and words and encouragement, so that to release my identity, to release the pain. And it took a long time. Counseling, healing, sanctification, walk it out. There's a process and you don't do it at home by yourself, trying to heal yourself. That's like, that's like if you're sick in your body, you're just trying to heal yourself. You have to go to the doctor. You have to ask the doctor to help you. The church is a spiritual hospital where people come and say, I'm sick, somebody needs to help me. The church is not a place for perfect people. It's a place for people who are hurting and in pain, and they need to come to a community where they can bring healing to their souls. They need mending, but they also need cleaning. We pick up stuff, we pick up ideology, we pick up things in this world. We don't even know it, it's just subtle, assimilation of ideologies and worldviews that we don't even think are wrong. We just accept it, even though it's contrary to the word of God. It's a direct violation to this word that we hold to be true. And I'm worried that in our North American Western culture, that the word of God is being watered down and diminished in our lives. And we're settling for sentiment rather than the truth. The word of God will never become void and will never become infallible. It will never fail. So as we come to the church where there's leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers together have the mind of Christ to set you in the right direction, to challenge your thinking. Some of you guys need to be challenged in your thinking. Some, a lot of people just think that these things are true because they read it on Facebook or social media or, or news reports or people, your friends told you and it just sounds true. Just because it sounds true doesn't mean it's true. There is no my truth and his truth and your truth. Speak your truth. It's just an opinion. That's your opinion. But there is only one truth. And it is this, this word of God that Jesus died for. This has the word of life. Man, that is, I wish I could hear an amen. That deserves an amen right there. So you need mending and you need cleaning, but the net is folded to be deployed. You don't just fold the net and put it on the boat and go, well, that's a good net. You need to 
string, uh, fling it into the ocean to catch fish for the harvest to go. So that's what maturity means. We mended and we're healed. We understand the word of God. And we grow. We're not tossed and fro, as Ephesians 4 says, with every kind of wind of doctrine. We're training ourselves. Hebrew 5, 11 to 14, we've trained ourselves to eat solid food. That we are no longer babies and infants tossed and fro by every kind of doctrine and ideas. That we hold on to the faith. We're deployed with that solid maturity. That's why when I said, when I, a lot of people challenge me on sending my kids to a private school, Christian private school. In grade five, this is a really funny story. I don't know if I should share this on the internet, but forgive me, forgive me kids. I have to share this, such a good story. My son was going to French Immersion Elementary Public School. One day he came, I picked him up from school and he was in the back of the car and his face was completely white. And I said, what happened at school? I thought he got bullied or something. What's going on? And he said, something happened at school today, dad. I said, what happened? I learned about sex. And I said, what do you mean you learned about sex? I saw a movie and I know how everything works now. And I got so upset. This is, that's my job. That's my job. He's not ready for that. That's my, he's only great five. And I didn't want to go into detail. I said, we'll talk about it at home. And then he was quiet for a couple seconds. And then he said, dad, can I ask you a question? So that means you had sex twice because you had me and my sister. And I said, no, no, we, I didn't, I didn't think about the response. I just said, no, we have, we've had more sex than twice that son. And my son was like, what, why? Why would you do that? And as soon as we came home, I sat down with my wife and I said, he's not going to that school anymore. We can't afford it, but God will provide. We're sending him to private school, Christian private school where he can be sheltered as long as he can so that he can be mature to be sent out into the world. Because I'm not gonna have anyone else inflict ideologies on him that is not my own. So when he graduated from high school with solid foundations, I said, you're not going to Christian university, even though I teach at a Christian university. I told him, go to UBC, go to a secular university where you are challenged in your faith. Don't be tainted by the world, taint the world Smear the world with the anointing of Jesus. Smear the world with your influence. Make the world a better place. You go there and you become the aroma of Christ where people are attracted to you. And I trust you, children. I trust that we have put a solid foundation in you. We, I trust that the word of God is in you. 
and that you have a solid faith and you have an answer to the questions that people will ask. And I pray, daddy and mommy are praying for you that you will stand in your faith. You gotta send them out. We are equipped for the works of Christ. It is he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. The leaders are not supposed to be, they're supposed to do the work too, but they're preparing you to do the work. Imagine if you go to, if you play hockey, I played hockey. I'm from Ontario. If you don't play hockey, you have no friends. So I played hockey. I know how to skate. I know how to play hockey. When I came to Vancouver, um, I played more organized hockey. I had to put up all the equipment. I had to buy all this used equipment. I'm so cheap. I bought a hundred dollar used equipment from eBay. So somebody else was using it. It stunk like crazy, but you know, I didn't care. I didn't care about bacteria and all that. I just used it. I didn't want to spend any money. And then I realized how much, it, how much work it takes to actually put on all the equipment to play hockey. All elbow pads, everything you have to put it on. Yeah. There's so much stuff. And even like, I don't want my Adam's apple to get hurt. I have this, everything. I had everything. It took so long. So imagine you're getting all ready and you put all the equipment on, you have your skates on and you're all ready. You put on your helmet, your shield, and then you have your hockey stick. And then your coach gives you a rah-rah speech. Go get him, guys. And then you're like, yeah, let's go get him. All right, let's win this game. And then you sit down and you take off all your equipment and then you go home. Okay, you don't even play the game. You go home and you say, okay, let's do it again next Sunday. And then you do the whole thing, you get equipped and you like your coach gives you a rah, rah, rah. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna win. And then you put your equipment in your bag and you go home. And I'm suggesting it to you, that's what the church in North America is like. We get all equipped. And then we're like, yeah, 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 Jesus, 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 we're going to take over the world. And then you kick off all your equipment and you go home and you spend the whole week doing nothing. Completely forget. We are collectors of seed. The seed is the word of God, according to the Bible. We are collectors of seed. Jesus said, my food is to do his will, not to eat the seed. We go to church, we go to conferences, and we listen to sermons. We go to YouTube, we listen to sermons galore. There's so many sermons online. You listen, you listen, and you listen, and you're collecting seed in this nice packet, this box, and you're collecting seed. I heard this amazing sermon by Steve Kim on June 6th, and you collect it in your box. And then when you go to heaven, Jesus is like, what did you do with all the seeds? You didn't put it on the ground. You didn't let it grow. He said, no, no, I collected it because they're so beautiful. Look at my collection of seeds. I'm afraid that if you don't actually do the works, you will not mature. You will not grow. Solid food is for the mature who through constant practice, constant practice, that's how you grow. Don't let your Christian life atrophy. You know, when I broke my leg, when I was playing basketball at the age of grade nine, 
oh, that brings bitter memories because I was grabbing the rim with to both hands in grade nine. So I was thinking by the time I'm grade 12, I'm going to dunk the basketball. But in grade nine, I went to a basketball camp and somebody hit me from behind. I broke my ankle. I was on a cast for eight weeks. And then I, I didn't know. I was so, there was no Google or med, web, med, web med or medicine, or I didn't know what was going to happen to my cat, my leg. So when they took the cast off, I thought my leg would just look normal. I took the cast off. My leg was the size of my arm. It was so skinny. It was so atrophied. I was so shocked because I did not use my leg. I am afraid that there are many in our North American Christianity, there are many people who are spiritually atrophied, especially during this last two years during COVID. I challenge you to start activating, to start walking, to start reconnecting, start healing, start mending, start discovering your gifts, your identity, and start to go out, start to hear the voice of God. God has endowed you with so many gifts. You are his sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. We are supposed to rule with him. God has, he died and resurrected. He went to the depths of hell to unleash all the gifts that had been in captivity. He released it to you. He ha you have it. Oh, there's so many things I could say. That's why you need to go to deep dive this Wednesday, where I can talk about Psalm 133, how that relates to you. Talk about more about equipping, releasing your gifts, your identity. So that's a little plug for deep dive. It's very important. So I pray for all of you. Maybe you are convicted. Maybe your spiritual life is atrophied. So I'm gonna just pray right now that you would have a stint, instant, just a jolt of conviction Take off your cast and just start working. Get off your wheelchair. Start working. Start walking. So, Father, we pray right now for everyone who's listening. Every member of Rain City, that they would start working. They would start arising. They would start connecting. They will start discovering who they are as they reconnect to the body, as they, as they come into relationship with leaders and with one another, as they open up things that ail them like they're in a hospital, as they go to the, as they go to the church that becomes a hospital, they tell people what's wrong, they become vulnerable and they get healed and they're mended and they're released into the world. Let us be the sweet, fragrant aroma of Jesus in this world. Let us be the sweet fragrance to those who are perishing. In Jesus' name, amen.